Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Monday, October 12th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Well, Hoynesy, the uh, playoffs continued over the weekend. The Yankees got eliminated. The, the Rays hit a, a dramatic knockout home run, uh, beat Aroldis Chapman. So there was a, a, a little bit of satisfaction, I think, out of uh, Indians fans. Uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, some pe- people – Felt pretty happy to see the Yankees go down and, and watch the uh, the Rays celebrate. What was your reaction over the weekend to that big home run that, that knocked the Yankees out of the postseason? I just thought that was such a great at bat. Well, uh, Mark Brousseau, is that how you say his Brousseau, last name? Yes. That was, you know, it reminded me of, in a way, it reminded me of Raja Davis, but mm-hmm. he wasn't choked up halfway up the bat like Raja <laughs> was. He was swinging from his heels, but it was so cool to see him you know, get locked in from one pitch to another, to another. He, he kept getting closer and closer. And what he, the, the pitch he hit was over 100 miles an hour right. that he wanted, that he hit the home run on. It was just just a great at bat. That was that was cool to watch. And ironically enough, Rousseau was the, uh, the raised batter that was nearly decapitated earlier in the season by an Aroldis Chapman pitch. Uh, and it sparked a, a little bit of – a lot of bad blood between the two clubs – you know, Kevin Cash famously saying, you know, hey, I've, I've got a, a stable full of pitchers who can throw high 90s uh, as well, so you, you better watch out. Uh, just uh, a, a lot of fun watching that, uh, those events transpire, and, uh, you know, the, the celebration that ensued was the Rays players in the dugout uh, dancing to New York, New York uh, on the field there. So uh, and then who had the dance off? Did you see the dance off between the two players? No, two I, I, yeah. I, I didn't see it. Well, but that's the other thing is it's like you can't just immediately off the top of your head think of, you know, a bunch of names of, of yeah. great players because this is really the, the definition of the no-name bunch. Uh, in a way, the, the small market Rays, the, the tiny payroll Rays, are doing what the Indians eventually hope to be able to do uh, again and, and that's, you know, take down teams like, like New York with, uh, you know, a quarter of the size of the payroll. Yeah, who was the, the guy that hit the home runs? Yeah, that was Randy Arozarena. And in the playoffs, his OPS right now, uh, 1.406. And he's got 13 hits and four home runs, five RBIs. He's, he's the, the difference right now for the Rays in the playoffs. Big swing. I mean, he's got a quick swing. He's hitting home runs all over the place. And he came out of nowhere. I think 
the, uh, the Rays got him from St. Louis and uh, just a great story. And especially in he's blossoming in the, uh, in the postseason. Right time to do it. Uh, speaking of uh, got him out of nowhere and uh, coming out of nowhere, I, I think uh, news from today, uh, you know, pretty shocking. Uh, a, a little bit. Ricky Renteria, the manager or the ex-manager now of the Chicago White Sox, uh, Renteria and the Sox agreeing to part ways, uh, giving Renteria the distinction now to be uh, one of the managers. I, I fired from both Chicago clubs, fired by the Cubs a few years back, and uh, now fired again by the White Sox. Uh, that opens up what many believe would be the most desirable job on the open market for managers uh, is Sandy Alomar, an, an ex-White Sox, uh, a guy who might be considered a potential candidate for that job. I definitely think so, Joe, and I would think that would be a an ideal place for Sandy. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, they tried to hire him as a bench coach. Uh, he, you know, he, the Indians signed him to a multi-year deal, so he, you know, he turned that down. He came back to Cleveland, but uh, you know, judging from what Sandy did as as Tito's uh, replacement this year, he's ready to manage, and uh, I think that would be a perfect fit right there in that ball club. It depends. You know, do they want a veteran guy? Do they want a guy that's been through, you know, taking a team to the postseason? And I just feel terrible for Renteria. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, brought the Cubs through all those, those that, that process of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Now he's done the same thing in, in with the White Sox. And just when they're on the verge, you know, of becoming a powerhouse, they fire him. I mean, you know, that doesn't seem fair. But, but that's the classic the classic way managers work, you know, you hire a guy that's good at developing players that good, that's good at handling young players. And when he goes through all the losing seasons, he kind of gets beaten down. And then when you're ready to contend, you bring in a new guy. And but that just, and usually baseball, it's a, baseball stinks sometimes. Usually it's a young guy who's, you know, you know, big on the analytics and has this, you know, plan to, to, to change things around and do things different. I mean, it, it really seems like almost the, the perfect opportunity for somebody like an A.J. Hinch or a, a, an Alex Cora who are out there. Again, uh, they were sus- coming off of their suspensions from the, the Astros cheating scandal. Uh, could either of those two, you know, pop up somewhere in, in the Central? There are, there are two jobs in the AL Central uh, open right now, if, if you think about it, with White Sox and uh, Detroit. Uh, Kansas City just hired Matheny last year. And Rocco Baldelli is not going anywhere in, in Minnesota. So, uh, you know, new faces, you know, coming definitely for, for Chicago and Detroit. Yeah, you know, if I'm, if I'm uh, um, you know, a hand, hand is the uh, hand, uh, is the GM in, in, in uh, Chicago. I, you know, I don't know if I go with, you know, Hinch is a, is a desirable candidate, but it bothers me, Joe, that, that, you know, in the cheating scandal with Houston, he lost control of that ball club. It, it seemed like Cora and, and some players, you know, had their, were running the ball club without him knowing. At least that's, you know, he pleaded, you know, he kind of knew what was going on, but had no control of it. And if you're the manager, you got to, hey, you know, either you're in or you're out, you know, you, you've got to, you, you usually have your finger on the pulse of the team. And I, I'm not sure what happened there. I know right. so that would concern me. Either he completely had no idea and the team went off the rails with, without his knowledge, or he did know and he's, you know, not being 100% transparent about this 
and you know, in, in an effort to try and get another job somewhere down the line because he knew if he, he came out and said, yeah, I knew about this, then his career would be absolutely over uh, and, and there'd be no chance. He, 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 I, I can see sort of, you know, playing dumb just to make it increase your chances of being able to get a job somewhere down the line. Uh, but I remember you, you saying back when this all happened that you thought maybe he might have to, you know, work his way or as a as a bench coach or in some other capacity before he gets a, a, another managing job straight off the bat. So, uh, you know, who knows what happens? But those are yeah. those are the jobs that are out there, and those are definitely names that are going to immediately come up. And you were saying you 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 were thinking maybe Cora goes back to Boston. That's uh, that's an interesting choice too. Well, you know, and, and Boston's already cleared uh, clean house. Uh, they were announced today that they're, uh, I, I believe, Jerry Naring. Uh, uh, I, I don't know what capacity he might have been a, a bench coach or a, a, on the coaching staff, but he's not coming back. A couple other coaches, they've sort of cleaned house a, a, a little bit there. Uh, so it looks like maybe there's an opportunity. It would not surprise me for Boston to just unabashedly say, yeah, you know, we don't care about what the the punishment that Major League Baseball handed out, we want him back and he's coming back. And uh, it would not surprise me if, if that were the case. Yeah. And I mean, Cora's, you know, he's, <laughs> he left, he was, he was an integral part of the, the Houston thing. Then he comes to Boston and, uh, you know, the hammer gets dropped on him again. I mean, he said he didn't know about it, that he wasn't really involved in it. But, uh, well, and it was Beltran. Carlos Beltran is, is out there as well. Yeah, uh, you yeah, know, well. he, he never even managed a game for the Mets before uh, before that happened. So, or after that happened. So, uh, yeah, just the the way things are shaking out managerially in in, in the league right now, it's it, it's going to be interesting uh, this offseason to see who gets hired where. Yeah, but I uh, think that Sandy's that's a great fit in Chicago if if they come after Sandy. I just wonder if the Indians have a deal with him. If they said, listen, you know, Tito. You know, Tito wants to come back, you know, but if he can't make it, you know, the job is yours if you if you want to stick around. I, I don't know if they if they have a, you know, the transition, the transition. Right. And, and that that would be kind of tough if, if that's the case, because Sandy would again be managing, you know, Tito's team and right. with Tito's coaches. Uh, you got to give a guy if you're going to give the guy the job, you've got to let him hire his guys. Yeah. So that. Uh, Maybe maybe he manages the year as a as an interim if that's the case, but who knows? Uh, the other thing that would make Sandy a really attractive uh, candidate for that Chicago job is the the number of young Latin players on that that roster. You're talking Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, uh, Yoan Moncada, uh, even the veteran like Jose Abreu, uh, someone who can interact with with the Latin players and speak their language and communicate with them very easily like Sandy could, uh, that would be uh, a really attractive candidate for, I mean, it's why Ricky Renteria was a, a, a high, highly sought after candidate for that job uh, when they were rebuilding. So. Yeah, that's uh, a good point, Joe. All right. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I want to pause here at this point. Uh, mentioned we just found out, uh, prior to coming on and, and taping this podcast, uh, Hall of Famer Joe Morgan uh, has passed away in, in California at his home with his family. Uh, Morgan becomes the sixth Hall of Famer this year in 2020, uh, really the, the fifth Hall of Famer in the last like five weeks. If you're talking about 
uh, guys like Al Kaline, Tom Seaver, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Whitey Ford just passed away over the weekend. Uh, these are all legends of the game of baseball. All of them enshrined in Cooperstown. Uh, all have passed away within the last uh, within the, this calendar year of 2020. Uh, it's it's tough. And and Joe Morgan, you know, this is a guy who Sunday Night Baseball. He was uh, one of the voices of Sunday Night Baseball. He tune in and and just hear him uh, broadcasting the games, and and just a, a legend on the field with the Reds. Yeah, just a. Uh... Really, I mean, part of the big red machine, um, little Joe. I mean, big power. I remember that elbow cock from uh, his batting stance, and uh, I mean, that's. It just seems like those, you know, he seems. I just picture him young in my mind, you know, and and I remember him in the booth. It was great listening to him. He was always, you know, informative. You always learn something about the game from him, and um, God, it's just, uh, you know. Bob Gibson, man, I mean, Lou Brock, all those guys. It was, it just, it, it stuns you and it just lets you know that time uh, wins all, wins every game. You know, they mm -hmm. eventually, if it's your turn, you got to go. And, uh, but boy, what a loss to baseball. What a loss to the Hall of Fame. All right. Morgan uh, passed away, uh, surrounded by his family in Danville, California. Uh, non specified polyneuropathy. And I'm I'm no no doctor or no expert, but uh, you know that just uh, terrible that uh, of what you would expect in in 2020 is to hear something about uh, you know COVID or being uh, one of the reasons why all these uh, Hall of Famers and these these great old timers from the game uh, are are passing away. But that's not necessarily the case. I don't think a, a lot of them have. It's just just the uh, 2020 has just been a crummy year all the way around. Yeah, I remember. Uh... I got I got to tell you this story of uh, about uh, when Bobby Bonds was a hitting coach for the Indians. Mm -hmm. He uh, he was leading off for the Giants. He told this story about facing Gibson, who just died, and he and uh, he was he was leading off. Get he got into the box, had his head down. He was digging digging his toe hold and his back foot uh, to dig in and uh, face the hitter, face the pitcher. And he looked up and Gibson's staring at him, and, and Gibson shouts and he goes, "Are you done?" <laughs> stepped out of the box filled in the toe hole and stepped back into the box he goes i'm done now oh geez yeah <laughs> gibson just, took no prisoners and 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 that was sort of his approach was he was just he, people were afraid of him yeah batters were afraid of him they were because and that was back before they lowered the mound for because of that guy you think about that yeah. He had such an advantage because of his frame and his build and the way that he could intimidate batters that they, they actually lowered the mound. So uh, I, that's when you know you're, you're a true legend and your status in the game is cemented is when, when they have to start making rules because of you. Uh, yeah, pretty good. That reminded me of, uh, you know, when they changed the rules because of the steel curtain in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. steel, when, uh, you know, you couldn't uh, – the five-yard chuck rule, you, you couldn't right. – uh, they, they did away with that, and they let the uh, offensive linemen gra hold. You hold know, if you grabbed you under, use, they could under use the their chin. hands more, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, because they were so dominant. Right. Well, and that's – they changed the rules uh, later on because of Belichick's uh, defensive backs in New England. So they, it, there's a long, uh, rich history of, of rules being yeah. changed for that. That's maybe the subject for another podcast. Talk about uh, guys who made rules changes. 
at some point. Uh, hey, so we want to look uh, right now as we get into the offseason at the uh, free agencies and the, the option uh, deals that are coming up. Uh, I had completely skipped over Roberto Perez as being a guy who was one of the uh, guys eligible for uh, an option or had an option to be picked up this year. So now there's three for the Indians. There's Carlos Santana, Brad Hand, and Roberto Perez are the three. Uh, Hoinsey, you put uh, out there uh, to our subtext listeners uh, for the 2021 season, if you're Paul or if you're the Dolan family, the you know whose option do you pick up? Carlos Santana at 17.5, Brad Hand at 10, or Roberto Perez at 5.5 million. Uh, you asked for your thoughts and opinions, and uh, the the readers and listeners responded uh, in spades quickly. A uh, couple of them I'm going to run through real quick uh, with with names and uh, the guys that we we have here. Um, Perez, as he gives you great defense and handles the pitching staff very well, he's the bargain out of the three. Um, Marv in Phoenix says Perez got to keep the continuity with the pitching staff. Uh, Dave B in Avon says Perez only his relationship to the pitching staff and to Willis is important. Even with his poor bat, Santana is too costly for what you get, and Hand is the is only in the way of Class A and Karen Jack. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's those are uh, good responses, Joe. Uh, let's a uh, couple more here. Uh, definitely not Santana at seventeen point five, and probably not Hand at ten. Maybe Perez, but we have a ton of non-hitting catchers. I guess <laughs> I guess it goes uh, with all of our non-hitting outfielders. A lot depends on what kind of return we get in a in a Frankie trade. This guy says in the Frankie trade, so apparently he knows that that's going to be happening sometime soon. I guess. Um, Mark in Norwalk says just Perez at five point five mil. He's shown his importance to the pitching staff and still seems slightly better than Hedges with the bat, too. It would be very tempting to pick up Hand's option and trade him like they did Kluber last year, but the uncertainty of the trade market for an aging closer will decrease uh, with a decrease in velocity, may not make it worth the risk. If you can trade him at 10 mil, pick up his option. That's I didn't even consider that, but... Uh, I don't know how many teams with the with with the financial uh, you know landscape of baseball right now. I don't know how many teams are going to be able to take on a ten million dollar contract in a trade. So, uh, and and what would you be able to get in return? A, a low level prospect, maybe tops. Yeah, that's a great point, Joe. That's a great point by uh, our subtext uh, subtext uh, contributor too. Uh, um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, if you signed him for ten million, you might, you know, what's what kind of return do you get? You know, and how much of the salary does the other team pick up? But you know, that that's uh, I don't know. I'm I, I'm not sure about that. But it, it makes sense. I mean, it worked with Kluber to a certain degree. You know, depending on what you think a class A or what they get eventually, class A turns mm -hmm. into, and then and Delino De Shields. What I mean, what happens with him? So right. Uh, Mike in Avon says, anybody is fair game, but I think it would be a serious mistake not to bring Perez back. Uh, maybe turn off an Antonetti, ask members of the pitching staff whether Berto is worth his weight, considering uh, he is, as a receiver, he's the glue that holds the staff together. 
Uh, my money is that unanimously the staff would vote he's crucial and vote to keep him. Uh, I don't I don't think you ask players if uh, if they want you to pick up another player's option. I think that's that's getting into some some real iffy areas there. Uh, but yeah, so those are those are some of the responses to that question. Uh, again, posed to our subtexters. Uh, you can get in on uh, our subtext questions for our podcasts. Uh, if you're listening, uh, subscribe to uh, go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians. Uh, $3.99 a month gets you uh, this whole off season. Uh, Hoynes and I will be tweeting, or uh, we'll be, I'm sorry, we'll be texting uh, back and forth with our subscribers and just our, our thoughts and our questions and uh, any breaking news that we have. Uh, you get it first on subtext. It's a great way to, to stay connected to the Indians and stay connected to us here during the off season. Uh, just to, to wrap up uh, today's podcast, wanted to mention, uh, obviously it's Columbus day. Uh, right now, if, uh, if you had to, to, you know, make a prediction, uh, on the Indians, uh, proposal or the Indians, uh, you know, sort of looking at a name change possibility uh, uh, in light of Columbus Day and, uh, you know, the controversy surrounding Christopher Columbus and uh, whether this is Indigenous Peoples Day uh, as it is in, celebrated in some uh, municipalities now. Uh, what do we think with the, the way the tides are sort of changing and the winds are blowing, uh, the Indian's name is going to be uh, moving forward, will there will they be the Cleveland Indians when they step on the field uh, in April of 2021? Yeah, I still think they will be the Indians, Joe. Uh, but I think uh, you know the the process will move down the road a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how much time they've had to meet with you know this you know city groups and <laughs> and the Native American groups and you know how they've you know. I just think uh, the process still has a ways to go. I think they'll probably, you know, be called the Indians in two, through, throughout 2021, and then if, if then the change would take place probably in, in, at the start of the 2022 season. That's just you know that's just a ballpark. You know that's just my my hunch there on that. Right. Chris Anthony was asked about it uh, in his final sort of comments to the to the media uh, in, in 2020, the, the last week, uh, the, the, the season wrap-up, uh, was one of the first questions he was asked by uh, TV stations. And his response was something along the lines of, we're still in the process of meeting with the stakeholders, is, is how he termed it. So, uh, you know, there's, there, there's no real clarity on when. Uh, you just get a really strong feeling that it definitely will uh, happen yeah. at some point. So. It's going to happen. I, that's that's the vibe I get, Joe. And right. uh, you know, so and and what they're going to be called after that, I have no idea. I have I've I've received well, a lot of suggestions. <laughs> yeah, we we continue to receive suggestions uh, in our emails and, and subtexts. Uh, do you think that maybe for a season they go with uh, you know the Cleveland Baseball Club, something along the lines of what Washington did? Uh, as they're still in the process of deciding a team name, you know, I, I, I tend, I hope not. I mean, that's for for headlines. Think about the headline writing. What, what, who's gonna, even even the story writing. Club? Yeah, yeah. Even even how story awkward is that? Possible. I mean, it, it, yeah, but I mean, it, it seemed like the the Redskins were were really kind of pushed into this. 
-hmm. you know, the Indians got out in front of it and maybe that, that gives them the ability to set their own timetable on this. Right. But they, the Redskins were kind of cornered on it and, and they had to change it. They were, you know, that was a, uh, it seemed like, you know, they really received a lot of pressure to change it. Now, I'm sure the Indians have too over the years. Well, un un until something like Progressive comes, uh, you know, the Progressive Insurance Company yeah. comes out and says, you know, we're pulling our money, we're pulling our sponsorship unless you do this now. That's what forced uh, Washington to do so. So uh, who knows? Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. It was a little different situations and the Indians saw that and decided, hey, we're going to act right now. Right. All right, Hoinsey, we will uh, continue to look forward to uh, offseason decisions and, and tracking uh, the league championship series as the as play continues tonight with the opening of the uh, National League Championship Series. Uh, we'll be back here uh, again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe.